Welcome to Coffee with Kojo, a podcast produced by students in the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University. My name is Rocky Daly, and I'm an associate professor in the school. This episode is hosted by graduate student McCade Iverson and features a conversation with sports reporter and school master's graduate, Shireen Williams. Shireen has covered the National Football League for over 25 years and was the first woman to vote in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. McCade caught up with Shireen this past week. You graduated from Kojo's online Master of Mass Communication program. So can you tell us a little bit about how you came to the decision to join the MMC program and um, what your time as an SC State student was like? Sure. So um, as everyone knows, new newspapers are not in a, in a good state um, right now and haven't been for a few years, probably worse off now than and then when I was at a newspaper, but I had covered the Cowboys for 17 years, had been at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram since 1999. And um, I turned down a job at the Houston Chronicle and got a raise at the Fort Worth Star-Telegram where I had been employed since 1999 and decided then that my time there probably was going to be very limited based on my salary. And I was correct in that. And um, so I decided to, to go back and get my master's just as a backup plan so I could go teach um, if, if it happened that I got laid off, just to have a backup plan ready. Um, and as unluck would have it, um, I got laid off with about a year left in the program. In 20, May of 2017, I was laid off. And I finished my program. I did, it did not take me very long to find a job. In fact, I was never out of employment because I went to work for NBC right after that. I was hired within a couple of weeks. And, um, but I did go ahead and finish the, the program and have taught one semester at SMU uh, in their sport management program. So it, it has been beneficial to me to be, allow me to go do that. And it was a great experience. I mean, I had been out of school for 30 years and to be able to go back and, and, and maybe learn a little bit of, of new, learn some new things, but also to refresh uh, all those things that you forget when you've been doing the same thing over and over again for, you know, 30 years, just simple things like, Hey, use more active verbs, use more um, active voice, just, you know, really simple things like that, that maybe you let go by the wayside. And so I do think it's improved my writing. Um, it's improved basically everything and, and helped me, my time in the program really helped me um, improve because I think you do get kind of stale after doing the same thing for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, um, you taught for a semester, you said? I did. I taught okay. for a semester at SMU last fall. Fall a year ago, I, I taught at SMU sport, sport management, uh, in the sport management program. Okay. Could you see yourself ever going back to teaching? Well, I just got offered to go back and and teach either one or two classes in the spring and have decided it's not probably the right time to do it just from COVID issues. And Mm, they're planning to go back to in-person classes. And I don't feel comfortable right now doing that uh, with a family member who is high risk. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to do that this semester. And uh, we'll, we'll see what happens after that. But I did enjoy the experience the semester I did teach, and hopefully the kids learned something. I think they all 
you know, said at the end, it was one of the, their favorite classes they had been in. And so I tried to teach them like as much practical stuff as book knowledge, um, because I think that's very important to know what you're getting into when you get out into the real world, uh, really what's facing you as much as looking at a book and, and reading about the business. And so um, most of them were not going to sport management. Most were not going into the journalism field, but we worked on their writing. And um, I think that was probably pretty helpful to, to them and what they're going to go do too. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if it's not uh, necessarily a class full of journalism students and it was still one of their favorite classes, I think that probably says a lot about your style. So I'm sure that was, that was fun. So. I think they, they heard a lot of good stories. I think that was probably the, yeah. <laughs> we had a lot, we had great guest speakers. I mean, we had um, somebody from the Dallas Cowboys come in and, and uh, various sports uh, around town. So the XFL was going at that time. We had the, the uh, president of the XFL team, which obviously no longer is in existence, but they came in. Um, so, yeah, so I think they enjoyed all of that and hearing some of the stories. Yeah, very cool. I Yeah, I could imagine that would be pretty exciting for a sports management bunch of people. So, all right. Um, so moving on to a little bit more about your career. Um, I wanted to ask about your time covering so many um, Super Bowls. So how, at this point, how many Super Bowls have you covered? And can you tell us just what it's like, what the experience is? Um, okay, so I'm not a math major, so my, oh, no. <laughs> I always have to count. My first one was the 1994 season, so it was in February of 1995. I think it's, that makes it 26 now. Okay. Um, and this year's kind of iffy. I wanted to definitely get to 30 and you know, I may still get to 30, but it may not be in a row because this mm -hmm. year obviously is very, very iffy um, right. with, with what's happened. But it is one of my favorite things to go do. And I think anybody who's ever done a Super Bowl would say the same thing. I, I like the Olympics. I would rank number one and Super Bowl a very close 1B to, to <laughs> done seven, seven Olympics. And I guess that's 26 Super Bowls now. Um, and, and each one is different and special and, and, you know, it's not just the game, it's the week, it's where you are. It's being, um, for me now at NBC, it's really our one time that we're all together and we get to go out and eat and, and all those sorts of things, be around each other because everything we do now in my business, what I do is virtual, you know, mostly by text messages, how we communicate sometimes by phone uh, sometimes by Zoom calls, but we rarely see each other. And, and so it's really the one chance uh, to be together. So I, that's what I enjoy about it. And that's what I'll miss about it um, this year in Tampa. And having covered the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and called Tampa home for six years, if I don't get to go, that'll be tough. Not getting to see some of my friends back in Tampa who I haven't uh, seen in a while. So hopefully it, it happens, but if it doesn't, it's understandable. And mm -hmm. Hopefully things change in, in uh, a year from now and, and we get to go back and do the same Super Bowl that, that we've known for now since 1995. Yeah, for sure. And get you, get you to that 30-year mark. So, um, so you said that the Olympics are your favorite thing to cover. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, it's just living in another country. Most of the time, most of the Olympics I've covered were out of the country. The only one I covered that was in the country was Salt Lake City. Okay. Uh, that was my first one in 2002. <clears throat> and every year since then that I've done one, I haven't done all of them since then, but 
the ones that I've done since then, the other six, um, were mostly outside of, of North America. I did, uh, I did do Vancouver. The year it was in Vancouver, but you know, <clears throat> got to go to London and Athens and Italy and um, where else did we go? Just all over. I mean, oh, Beijing and um, Rio de Janeiro and it, it, all those places were just really cool. And you know, sometimes it was winter and sometimes it was summer. And I like all the sports and you get to tell these fresh stories. You know, when you cover like covering the Cowboys for seventeen years. You know, I probably wrote, I, I, I probably couldn't even tell you guesstimate, but I would say well over a thousand Tony Romo stories mm. in my time at the Four Star Telegram covering the Cowboys. And, you know, what do you say on the thousandth story when you've written all those stories? And they start to sound the same and you can recite their career and you know all these things. And that's good, too. I mean, it makes it a little bit easier. But at the same time, when you go cover an Olympics, you're, you know, those athletes don't stay around that long. So if one athlete goes to two Olympics or three Olympics, I mean, that, that's pretty cool because that's a long stretch of time, eight years or 12 years at the top of your game, whatever your sport is. But mostly there are a lot of new stories every single year, and you get to tell those stories. And, and that, to me, was really or is what's really fun about the Olympics is to be able to tell those fresh stories about those athletes that that uh, sometimes people don't know, you know. And the, the last Olympics I went to was in Rio. And um, I covered in a four-day stretch, I got to cover uh, Michael Phelps, Simone Biles, and Usain Bolt, who arguably are the best at their respective sports and some of the best accomplishments in the history of sports and the history of the Olympics. Yeah. And I got to cover all three of them in a four-day stretch. And uh, that, to me, was just really cool to be able to see them uh, do what they do best and, and uh, get more Olympic medals. And um, something like that, you know, you just can't uh, put, put a, a, a value on it. Like, that's why I got in this, to do things like that. You know, you don't certainly get into journalism for the money because you're not going to be a millionaire. That's not why we do it. We do it because it's fun and it's fun to go to work and you never work a day in your life, really. Um, and especially when you're covering something like that or covering a Super Bowl, you know, it's just, it doesn't feel like work. And yes, there are long days and yes, you're tired and all those sorts of things. But um, what a great job to have. And for somebody to pay for you to go do that and live in another country for, for a month is pretty mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what is the atmosphere like in whatever country the Olympics is happening? I, I can only imagine it's almost like how the Super Bowl is here in America in whatever city it's in, but just even bigger. Yeah, I, I say it's a three, it's three weeks of Super Bowls. Every, it's a Super Bowl every single day, multiple Super Bowls every single day for three weeks. And that's what it's like. It's absolutely like, and, um, London kind of stands out from the standpoint, the way it was set up, like you could walk everywhere was really neat. I, I mean, I like walking and the way that one was set up, you got into the, into the secured area and you could walk just about to any sport you wanted to go. So you could cover multiple sports in a day because most of them are like right there. You don't have to ride buses and to walk everywhere and people are just everywhere. And you know, there's places to eat right there. You'd go eat. I mean, it was just, it, it, all of them have their own um, things that make them special, but 
I like those types of things when you're around the people and they're excited to go to these events and you're going to these events and it doesn't matter what the event is. I mean, it could be, um, you know, table tennis or uh, volleyball or whatever it is. And people are excited just to go see these athletes and the events mostly are sold out. And uh, I think that's really cool. And it's really cool for the athletes to see, but it's, it's, it's exciting uh, every single day to go watch those events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I I have never been to the Olympics or anything. I've never been in a city while a Super Bowl is going on, but I can just imagine how exciting it is and the amount of electric. people. So, what was that? It's electric. There's oh that, yeah, I'm sure. The most accurate description of it of an Olympics or oh the week at the Super Bowl. The funny thing with the Super Bowl is like the first like we always get there like either on Saturday or Sunday. And like the first few days, like there's no one there. It's really dead. It's mm-hmm. you go wherever you want to eat, you know, and that's kind of when we schedule our time to go eat at the big restaurants that are going to be filled at the end of the week. And then Thursday is really when it picks up and gets crazy. And it's just, it's two different cities at the same time. Cause you have this little dead period and then all of a sudden <laughs> everybody's there and the hotels are, you know, packed with people, the lobbies and everything. And, and it gets pretty exciting late in the week. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend's um, parents who went to the, um, I can't remember what Super Bowl it was fairly recently, but it was in Minneapolis. And um, they said, yeah, it's just insane that, and there's people everywhere. So, um, yeah. Um, so other than the Olympics and or the Super Bowl, what are some of your other favorite um, moments or events that you've covered? Say that one more time. I lost you for just a second. My oh. internet connection went dead for a oh. second. <laughs> um, so other than the Olympics and or the Super Bowl, um, what are some of the other events that you've covered that have been some of the most memorable or just your favorite? Mm, well, you know, I always wanted to cover the NFL. So any NFL game is, is fantastic just to go cover – an NFL game is cool. And, you know, getting to see like Barry Sanders play and Brett Favre play and Peyton Manning play. And, you know, some of those exciting games that that they played, Tom Brady, I mean, those, those are pretty cool times to, to have seen some of the great things that, you know, those athletes did. I mean, I was at the game when Barry Sanders had two 80 yard runs and one of them was in one shoe. Um, and, you know, there for playoff games when um, I wasn't at, like, the Tuck game. There's certain games I, I wasn't at, but there's so many good games in there, especially playoff games that I went to that were just incredible to cover um, and very memorable. But, you know, and I, I think it's the relationships that you make with players over the years um, that stand out, you know, the – um, the Troy Aikmans and the Emmett Smiths and Michael Irvins and, you know, all those types of players, Jason Witten, you know, that you, um, I guess it's never a friendship when you're in journalism, but you know, it's certainly cordial and, you know, they'll pick up the phone if I call now and, and, uh, if they call, certainly I'll pick up the phone, but you know, to have those relationships, I think is, is really pretty, pretty special. You know, you feel like you've done something right that those players will still talk to you whenever you need them and call you back or or whatever the case may be. And and so I I think it's those relationships too that, that are, 
pretty special and relationships not only with with players but with the my peers you know my co-workers and and you know colleagues at other newspapers that you know you get to know it's such a small community especially in the nfl when you think about it there's 32 teams and you know the the press corps now is reduced down even more so it's the same people that we've seen for for 30 years however long i've done it since 94 but it's the same people you come in contact with that game you know and i miss that now i've been to one game this year at a Wayne Cowboys game and I probably won't go to any more games but I do miss that and I miss that more than anything else going to the game is seeing the people before the game sharing a meal with them catching up how are you doing you know it's different you know trading emails or direct messages on Twitter or texting or something like that to get to see them and sit down and have a meal is, is pretty neat and you know I missed all that this year with COVID. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely been a bummer on a lot, a lot of plans. And I can't help but think back to a little while ago when you mentioned that um, being in journalism, you won't work a day in your life. And I just thought now when you were saying how like if you could call up some of your football players or they could call you and you can answer. And I just can't help but think about how many people I know that would be so excited to be able <laughs> to have that kind of relationship with their you know favorite football players. And so um, it's true. I mean, um yeah if you love what you do and you obviously do then you'll never work a day in your life so yeah it's just it's very cool to see um those kind of relationships be be formed so yeah you you know when you when you go to work you don't want it to be a dread of going to Mm -hmm. work oh i have to work today right you you want it to be something that hey i get to go cover a game today i get to go cover the super bowl today how cool is that i'm getting paid to do this and I know not everybody has that. I realize that. But you do whatever you do, whatever you're good at. Um, you want it to be something that you just don't dread going mm-hmm. to work and are looking forward to retirement and, you know, all those sorts of things. And, I, you know, I think, um, I think I've been able to accomplish that and, and done a lot of really, really, you know, s- special things outside of covering all the games and getting to go to other countries you know, just getting to ride in the Goodyear blimp, getting to ride in a flyover on a Black Hawk helicopter, you know, things like that that you would never get to do unless you were in this business. I think all of those have been um, such cool moments. And and I wish I had the courage because I've been offered a couple times to go fly with the Blue Angels, but I am, I, I have motion sickness and just don't think that's the right idea. Yeah. And, <laughs> A friend of mine in the business, my former coworker at the Silver Star Telegram, just went and did it, did one, and I said, "Would you do it again?" And he said, "I'm glad I did it once. I would not do it again." So pass that through <laughs> up the whole gambit of what you expect when you go on a flyover with the Blue Angels. But I wish I had the courage to go do it. But I don't, that's one thing I don't have the courage to go do. Mm-hmm. Well, at least you know that you know your limits, I suppose, but. Um, speaking of cool moments though, um, so you have been the first woman to do a couple of things. Um, you were the first female pro football hall of famer and you were the first female president of the pro pro football writers of America. So, um, can you tell us a little bit about that and how you, um, got yourself into those, um, positions? Yeah. You know, the, 
voting, becoming a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, I think 2007 was my first year to do that, the class of 2007. And that's just a longevity thing. If you've been in this business for long enough and you do a good job at it, they they call you and said, hey, you know, we need a Hall of Fame voter and we would like you to do it. And at that point, then it becomes like a Supreme Court justice. You're in it. (laughs) Don't cover the sport anymore. And even then you get a couple of years when you can go vote for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. So that was really neat. And that was the first thing. And then, um, yeah, I became president of the Pro Football Writers of America. And that's a big job because you're kind of the go-between um, between the teams and the league and making sure they follow media access rules. And it's a lot of time to, you know, deal with all the players who don't want to talk. And, you know, it's certainly different this year with the Zoom calls as opposed to open locker room access. But um, there's always issues um, with that. And so mm-hmm. that was a two-year term, and I did that. And then um, – yeah, going into the, the, the Pro Football Hall of Fame as the uh, Dick McCann Award winner is really neat to see your name outside the bus room um, where all the players have their bus. You come out and our plaques are right there and your name's up there for eternity. And so that's uh, pretty neat. It was pretty neat to be the 50th award winner of the Dick McCann Award and the, the first woman to, to get that award um, mm-hmm. was awesome. So, you know, you can't um, – there will never be another first, so I think that's neat to have my name up there, period. But to be the first um, woman to do it and have my peers vote vote for me um, made it even more meaningful, I think, than um, if it had been selected any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of um, piggybacking off of that, do you have any other advice for um, other aspiring women NFL journalists or just sports journalists in general? Well... You know, I, I think it's just what we talk about. you got to find something that you really love to do. And whatever that is, know that it's going to be hard to get there, but put your mind to it. This is what I'm setting out to do. You know, it may not be much pay at first. I may have to do all the grunt work at first. I mean, I covered high school football, which is, to me, the hardest thing you'll ever do is to keep your own stats and play-by-play play and try to do that all at once. And mm-hmm. It's a very difficult job. Um, but you, you're going to have to work your way up more than likely from, from the bottom and do some things that you don't like to do. I had to work the desk um, for a couple of years. You know, we were laying out the paper and all that and put in the hours and, and do the, the dirty work, as it were, um, to eventually work your way to the top. And I think that's the way to impress people is to do all that work that no one wants to do. And it's, mm-hmm you're not in the limelight when you do it, you're behind the scenes doing it. And uh, I just think that's, that's the key probably to, to working your way up. But I, having said all that, it, it's possible to do whatever you want to do. And if you're good enough at it and want to put the time into it and the effort that it takes and go through all those steps to get there, I think doing anything's possible, you know, whatever that is. When I was in the second grade, I wanted to do this. And so that's what I put my mind to from the time I was in second grade to now um, is, is getting to this point and doing the things, going back to school, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be to make yourself better, uh, to give yourself a better chance. I, I think that is key, but it can be done. So figure out what you really, really like to do, what you want to do uh, with your career. Stick with that as long as you can. 
And I realize some people have, I have a friend right now who is a recent graduate of Texas A&M and I've tried to be a mentor to her and she couldn't find a job. So she's actually gone back and is doing a PR job at A&M that has nothing to do with sports and mm. recommended to her because that's not what she wants to do. She wants to do sports, but she can't afford not to have a job. I get it. But I said, make sure and keep your hand in the sports world, even if that is doing freelance work for free for the local newspaper, which they would, they would have her do stuff for, they would have, they would pay her to do stuff Friday night football or whatever it is. Um, and I think that's important to, to not be forgotten because that's what you really want to end up doing. Um, and so she is doing some of that and she's doing some work for A&M and um, sports work for A&M on the side. And I think that's important if that's what she wants to do to continue to keep her hand there, not be forgotten. If, if she doesn't do that, then she's going to get really pushed into this corner of, okay, that's what you are. Mm-hmm. And no one in the sports field is going to remember who she is when it comes time, when they do have an opening and it comes time to hire somebody, they're going to forget about her. So she does need to keep herself out there. And so that's what I would say to anyone in, in her case, she couldn't afford to sit and wait for a job to come open. So she took a job that was there, but now is willing to do all the things, perhaps some of them for free and on the side and very time consuming um, to keep her uh, name out there in this business that she really and truly wants to go into. So that would be my advice is, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep doing what you can do to keep your name out there. And is, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's, it's about who, you know, not what, you know, mm-hmm. and the more people you can talk to, the more you can get your name out there, the more people you can meet, the more people you can impress. I, I've only had one job in my entire career that I got because I didn't know anyone. I just sent a resume in and they saw my clips and said, Hey, this is really good. Let's hire this person. Otherwise it was people I knew. And I think that's very important to, to do internships, to do whatever you can um, to meet people in the business who can help. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's really, that's really great advice that can really be applied to really any any industry. And I, I really liked your idea of, you know, even if you can't necessarily afford, if there, you know, whatever obstacle it might be to, it is stopping you from currently being in your dream position. Um, do whatever it is you can to, you know, stay in that industry, like writing for the local newspaper, or, you know, whatever. So they're always looking for people. I mean, they, yeah. especially if it's, you know, cheap labor, or free labor, if you're volunteering mm-hmm. to do it, you know, free, but then you get the clips, you get your name out there and, they know who you are and when a job does come open, whether it's a month from now or a year from now or five years from now, they're going to remember you and, uh, and, and you're probably going to end up getting a job because you did do that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just, it definitely shows um, that it's, it really is what you want to do and it's not just another job. So. So, yeah, um, that's about all the questions that I had for you, Shereen. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? No, I, you know, I enjoyed my spirit experience there. I, I thought it was fantastic and um, would recommend it. I have recommended it to, to many people since. I, you know, I think it's a great program and, um, you know, learned a lot in the program. And I think it was very beneficial for me. I think it'd be beneficial for anybody, even if, even if teaching was not really what, a journalist wanted to do. I just think going back to school um, and and 
learning some new stuff and refreshing some bad habits that you may have gotten over the years. I think that's good for anybody to do. So I, it, w- it was a great experience for me. And I think uh, most people would find, um, you know, I was very fearful of, of going back to school, having not been in school for 30 years. And I did find it m- easier. Maybe is not the right word, but you know, I've, I've learned how to being um, uh, more mature, I guess. <laughs> I, I have learned how to study better and, and what it takes. And, you know, the writing of the papers was right up my alley as opposed to taking tests. And so I, I think I enjoyed that aspect of it, too. And I, I was able to combine a lot of the classes in the, the work that I had, the assignments that I had. I was able to combine that actually with my work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, that helped me basically two ways, I think, um, in that I could use some of the stuff I did, um, for my work, uh, some of the class stuff I did for my work. And I, and I think, you know, killing two birds with one stone, maybe whatever, but, um, it, it helped me a lot. And, you know, I, when I came up in school in the eighties, of course, we didn't even have the internet. So so many things have changed and I think the more things you can do, the better you're going to be. And so you guys now at your age with what you're doing are much better at a lot of this stuff than I will ever be, especially like editing and uh, shooting video and those sorts of things that I don't have much experience doing. And I hadn't had much experience until I got into the program. And, and now I can say, I can shoot video. I, I know what to look for. Like I get it. It's not just put the camera up and, and shoot. And I mean, there's right. <laughs> neat to it. There's things you want to look for and learning to edit. Like I've, you know, I've, I'm not probably still not very good at it, but I know how to do it, you know, and I could probably, if, if I wanted to, if that's something I needed to go do, I could at least have the start on that. And the more you do it, the better you get at it. So um, I do think all those things were beneficial for me that I hadn't had way back in the 80s when I initially got my undergrad degree. I, I didn't have all that experience doing some of that stuff. But, I, you know, I think in our business now, when I came up with simply writing, if you mm-hmm. were a good writer, boom, you were going to get a job. And now it's about more than that. I still think writing's at the core of it. It's the most important thing. But you have to be able to talk. You have to in front of the camera. You have to be able to talk on a podcast. You have to be able to shoot video. You have to be able to do all of those things uh, as opposed to just the writing part of it. It's so much more. And the more things you can do and the better you are at all those things, I think the better chance you have to go find a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I, um, I'm i actually in the on-campus program for the master's program in Kojo. And um, a lot of our classes have been you know, kind of intertwined with the MMC program and like you said, you definitely can kind of tailor all the projects in each class into your interests. And I'm kind of doing the same thing with my coursework and, um, you know, my professional work. So, um, yeah, I, I echo everything you said and it's definitely been beneficial. So good. Our next episode will be available on December 18th. This podcast is a property of the School of Communication and Journalism at South Dakota State University, which reserves all rights to its use. Music by Cody M. Johnson and Tyler Addison James is licensed through AMP Music.